How about we pray and we get started in the message? Father, thank you so much for your spirit being with us, you being for us, you being in us. Lord, I pray today that as I speak that I would be a willing, my mind would be a willing servant to your spirit, that Lord, that the things that I say wouldn't just be words, but they would be life and truth, and Lord, they would go inside of our hearts and we would be transformed by your power. Lord, I thank you that you have called us for this moment in the name of Jesus. Amen. You know, I was just sitting there thinking during praise and worship how incredible it is that we can, that we can actually participate in life with Christ. I want you to think about this. What would it be like if we all daily walked fully in the power of God? I mean, I just want you to imagine for a little bit. Your imagination is a powerful thing. And as Christians, we need to engage that because that helps us to really relate and understand and see the reality of what God wants to do in our life. It's a doorway to our heart. But if we thought about what would it be like if, if each of us walked fully in the power of God, how would our world be changed? I think we would face life differently if we actually expected his power to be with us just in everyday life. You see, this is what I believe. I believe that we already do walk in the power of God. But simply, many times as believers, we don't recognize what his power looks like. We look for the spectacular, for the supernatural, all that we should look for those things to be part of our daily walk. But because they don't happen many times, we just don't see the reality of the power of God. I was reading this morning early and I was reading in the Gospels about Jesus and as Jesus was walking. And I was thinking, you know, the Bible highlights some very spectacular things that happen in Jesus' ministry. But there was a whole bunch of people that the Bible doesn't mention. And that's the people that he just walked past that were just there in the road or in the synagogue or in all the places where Jesus showed up. And that's just like you and I. So today I want to try to reveal some things to us that will help us to see the reality of just how powerful you and I are. I've chosen as a text Colossians 1.27. Colossians 1.27 and it reads like this. For God wanted them to know that the riches and glory of Christ are for you Gentiles too. And let me stop right there. That means he's talking to us. All right? You could say it like this. For God wanted them to know that the riches and the glory of Christ are for you too. And this is the secret. I love that. Christ lives in you. This gives you the assurance of sharing in his glory. Christ's presence in, in us changes everything about the presence that we carry in life. We carry the presence of Christ everywhere that we go. As believers, once we come to, to put our faith and trust in Jesus, the Bible tells us that Christ is in us. And we carry his presence everywhere. It's just like Peter's shadow. You know that story in Acts uh, chapter 5 verse 15? Peter had this shadow 
And wherever he went, they would bring sick people out and they would lay them so that Peter's shadow would fall on them and they would be healed. What makes you think that you're any different than Peter? We have an aura around us. We have energy that flows out of us. And that energy is the residency of Jesus in our life. It's the most incredible revelation that you can have that brings clarity really to, the, to, the, to our journey with God. God's not out here. He's not going to come and rain on us or fall on us or come up, up on us or do any of those things. He's in us. And I call this whole thing, and I've been saying this for years, I've never preached this message before. I call this thing the ministry of showing up. Say it with me. Say it like this. I have the ministry of showing up. Let's do it again. You can do it better this time. I have the ministry of showing up. And here's what I think makes up the ministry of showing up. Four things. Number one, be yourself. Number two, in Christ. Number three, where you go, he goes. And number four, where he goes, stuff happens. It's really not that complicated. Actually, it's simply complex. That's what I like to say. So number one, be yourself. God likes you the way he created you. Completely unique. Totally unique. And he likes you so much that he says that we are his very good creation. He likes it. You see, God created you and I to be the carriers of dignity and worth. Psalm 8.5 says that he clothed us with glory and honor. You can study those two words and it really means dignity and worth. We are clothed, we wear this. This isn't something that's going to happen. This isn't something that's dependent on anything other than one thing, and that's our trust in the completed, finished, resurrected work of Jesus. And he comes and lives in us, and he clothes us with this. So everywhere that we go, we are a representative of the dignity of God and the worth of God to people. You see, being the true you is the best plan for our life. It's his best plan for our life. For us to be our authentic self. Having been in church for almost 43 years now, next month will be 43 years, I know personally that I've been through some changes where I wasn't myself. But rather, I was emulating other believers that I saw trying to be like them. If you don't believe me, go back and look at some of my pictures from the 80s. I look like Jimmy Swagger. Man, I had me a Bible that I flipped open and the ribbon fell out of it and did all that stuff. I had my hair all slicked back. I was dressed for success and I was phony. <laughs> to be your authentic self is a great quest. You see, authenticity equals something very powerful. Authenticity equals relevance. You don't have to be a hipster to be relevant. You don't have to dress differently to be relevant. What you need to be is simply the authentic you. 
And talk about attractive. Man, when you are yourself, it is so powerful. We become our true selves when we allow God to define us. My friend Jim Richards, a great author, if you haven't read any of his books, I would encourage you to do that. He said this, speaking of Jesus, he said this, he did not read the word to try to become the son of God. He read the word to determine what it meant about him. And when we read the word, we're really reading it to discover the reality of who we are. You see, our identity always comes from an outside source. And God made us that way specifically because love demands a choice. Love has to be by choice. And God specifically made us that way so that we would look to him for our identity. And two, two great things happened as a result of that with man. Number one, the fall of man. The fall of man happened be, not because of man taking that fruit from the tree and eating it, not even because disobedience. It happened because of unbelief in the identity that he was created to bear. God made the first man in his image and, and woman, in his image, in his likeness. But yet the serpent came and said, if you do this, you will be like God. The second thing happened with Jesus in the wilderness when the, the, when the devil came to him to tempt him and said, if you are the son of God or if you are who you say you are, then you need to prove it. Jesus didn't need to prove anything. You don't need to prove anything because of his residency within us. We need to be ourselves in Christ. So many people in the Bible did this. John the Baptist comes to mind. I read that this morning. He said, they said, are you Messiah? He said, no, I'm not Messiah. Are you Elijah? No, I'm not Elijah. Are you the prophet? No, I'm not the prophet. Well, then who are you? And he went right back to Isaiah and said, I am the voice of one calling in the wilderness. You see, the Bible tells us that we are ourselves when we allow God to, to, to place our identity on us. Number two, so we are to be ourselves in Christ. And number two, in Christ, the greatest experience that a human being can have is to realize the truth about Jesus. The Bible tells us that when, when Jesus when we believe on Jesus, we are born into something. We're born. That, and, and it means that we are born into a family, a different family than our genetic family. We are born into it. I love, I love the phrase born again. We are born again. It's a family thing. Colossians 3, 3 and 4 in the message says this. Your old life is dead your new life, which is your real life, even though invisible to spectators, is with Christ in God. You see, Jesus didn't come to make us better. We were dead. Jesus came to make us alive. And when he made us alive, we're not the same as we were before. And when we are ourselves in Christ, it becomes so remarkably powerful. Because it's no longer just about what you think, it's about who you are. And you cannot take that away from somebody. 
Once they know who they are, they are convinced that they are that way. That's why our prisons are full of men and women. Did you know there's 2.4 million people incarcerated in America? Making that population equal to the size of Houston, Texas. 97% of them will be released in our communities. And 75% or 76% of those will reoffend in five years or less. So I don't know. I got off on a tangent there. It's not in my notes. So be yourself in Christ, number three, where he goes where we go, he goes. We are in him, and where he shows up, stuff happens. We, where do you show up? I want to ask you that question. And how expectant are you of the power of God to be where you show up? You know, the Bible tells us that the kingdom is as a seed. And so many times, we look for the hundred the 30, 60, 100-fold results, and we're not looking at that seed, which needs to be buried, which needs to be hidden. And I believe that as we walk with people, as we show up, he is there. But what the problem is with most Christians is we have created this Christian cloistered culture where we're only around people that believe like us. There are only friends. There are only social influences. And I want to encourage you to go beyond that. But in order to do that, you have to be intentional. You have to intentionally make friends with people that don't believe like you. Now, if you're tempted by what they're doing, then don't do that. But find some people, you know, whatever it is, find people that you can just be with. That's the essence of discipleship. We're called to preach the gospel and make disciples. We've made discipleship into a Bible study program. Listen, I'm all for Bible studies, 100%. Everybody say, right? I'm all for it. But Jesus wasn't carrying around the Bible with him with the disciples, okay? He was showing them. His Bible says he chose these 12 that they would be with him. True discipleship is when we include people in our world and we model for them how we live and they see how we live and they see the character and attributes of Jesus coming out of our lives and they see the peace that we possess and they see how we treat our families. They see how we treat our wives. And if that's not the power of God right there, just those things that I listed, the reality of being able to function in the power of God is really about, I mean, really the power of the Holy Spirit. This isn't in my notes either. I'm just getting off on tangents right now. The power, Pastor Allen doesn't do that, does he? <laughs> Never. Yeah. The power of the Holy Spirit was given to us to witness, right? I mean, that's why we had the power of the Holy Spirit. But the fruit of the Spirit is all about relational tools. The power of God, so, so in that equation, so, you know, love, peace, kindness, patience, you know, temperance, you know, self-control, all those things in there that we don't, you know, necessarily like sometimes. The Spirit of God comes into us so that we have the power to begin to manifest those things in life and in our relationships. That's what it's all about. So where we go, he goes. And when we go there, stuff happens. Number four, where, we, where he goes, stuff happens. What kind of stuff? All kinds of stuff. 
Everybody say all kinds of stuff. I, I love that word stuff. I use it all the time. You never know what's going to happen when you show up. I mean, incredible stuff can happen just by you being there outside of the church. You know, today at lunch, you should be expecting for something to happen. Like something amazing, like leaving a big tip. You know, something like that. Where he goes, stuff happens. All kinds of things happen because you're there and Christ is in you and you have the power of God resident in your life. And it can be no more than just the attitude of graciousness and gratefulness and peace coming out of your heart. You'd be surprised how much it would affect a young waitress when your food is late and you're not cranky. It's the most fun. You see, we need, we need people that are going to show up in life and have something good to say. Can I tell you that everything in our culture right now is about complaining? It is. It's about complaining. We have a culture of complaint. And if we don't watch it, we'll be complaining too. But the thing that will make us shine as bright as the sun at noonday is for us to be counterculture. Is for us to be those that have something good to say in your life. I believe that we need a prophetic movement. And I'm not talking about some goofy Old Testament legalistic doom and gloom kind of prophecy thing going around, running around saying, thus saith the Lord. I'm talking about a New Testament, New Covenant, governed prophetic movement. And New Testament prophecy is governed by three things, according to 1 Corinthians 14, 3. It's governed by this, edification, exhortation, and comfort. Edification, exhortation, and comfort. We have a culture that is screaming, Screaming at us. Can somebody, somewhere, find something good in me? I was talking to Amy. Dylan and Amy. I was talking, we were talking before the service and she told me that she's a freshman high school teacher, English teacher. And I immediately flashed back to my freshman year. That was a while ago. And I was on a course of destruction. I mean, totally headlong in it. And there was one teacher, my freshman English teacher, that saw something in me and spoke to it. And you know what happened? 40, 40 years later, I still remember it. And probably if you think back in your life to people that spoke something good about you, that had a good word for you, that had something good to say about you, you still remember it to this moment because it burns into our hearts and it grows and we draw from those things. And we should be those people that are speaking good things to our culture because it's reflective of the character and nature of God. Hebrews 9.11 says Jesus Christ is the high priest of the good things to come. 
And we have Christ in us, so we should be reflecting his nature and character. And we should have good things to say to people. We should have meaningful things to say to people. We should have comforting things to say to people. And I believe that we're at this pivotal moment. But what happens when we show up? Sherry and I, we were, you know, we, we've been doing this now for almost 20 years. People will say, well, describe your ministry. And we'll always say, well, I got the ministry of showing up. And, that's, and then I'll go through, Christ in us. Where we go, he goes. Where he goes, stuff happens. We're, we're ourselves in Christ. And not too long ago, we were at our, one of our favorite barbecue restaurants in Kansas City. Now, I know y'all got barbecue in Texas, and I'm not going to diss it. But I will just say that in writing my food album, I name 18 Kansas City barbecue restaurants, and I proclaim that Kansas City is the capital city of barbecue in America, just so you'll know. But we were at our favorite barbecue restaurant, Arthur Bryant's, historic, legendary. Anytime the presidents come to town, they always go to Arthur Bryant's. Funny story. Jimmy Carter came to town, was at the President Hotel in Kansas City, and the Secret Service called up Arthur. He was still alive then and said, uh, Arthur, the president, and Rosalind, right? Is that right, Rosalind? I'm not having a senior moment. And uh, they'd like to have some barbecue. Would you bring them some barbecue over? And the phone went quiet, and Arthur said, we don't deliver. <laughs> if he wants some barbecue, bring him down. There's pictures of him in the restaurant. I don't know if that's true, but it's a great story. But we were there, and I got it. Sherry loves the ribs at Arthur Bryant's, and we always get a slab of ribs and split it. And I was on my way back to the table when I heard this. I'd know that hair anywhere. And it was this guy named Hal. I think we got a picture of him. Maybe. There he is, Hal. And we met Hal in Leavenworth Federal Penitentiary. And Hal said, I'd know that hair anywhere. And he came up to us and he said, you don't remember me, but I was in every one of those holiday services that you, when you were ministering at Leavenworth Federal Penitentiary. He said, I got out a few years ago. He said, I'm the manager of Arthur Bryant's restaurant. <laughs> Just because we were there. I was on a motorcycle trip in Mississippi one time and I stopped at the crossroads. The crossroads is a legendary place where men go to sell their souls to the devil. And I stopped at the crossroad and I met a man there. His name is Doc. I got a picture of him and Sherry and his wife, El Lori. And Doc was a crusty, rusty, gun-toting, rebel flag-waving southern man that wanted to show me his machine guns in the back of his truck. And we showed up there, and, and a few months later, he emails me and says, I've been appointed the first, the chairman of the first ever blues festival to be held at the crossroads, and I want you to be the first band that we booked to be there. I didn't find the devil at the crossroads, but I found the favor of God, because I showed up. And we went down to play that. We played at Morgan Freeman's Club. The sound man that was there, guy lives here in Houston, actually. He came to Jesus that day. 
I got an email from El Lori a few, few weeks later saying, you know, Doc, he hasn't ever talked about the things of God before. But now all he talks about is the things of God. And he went to heaven a couple of years ago. We became good friends. But who are you showing up with? Where are you showing up? Why would you think that anything different would happen with you? Is because I have some kind of special feng shui on me or something? I'm not under the annoying. Maybe you think I am under the annoying. No, we have Jesus. He lives in us. He's crazy about people. He loves people. He wants us to manifest his character to them like he showed us the Father. He wants us to be those ambassadors with the ministry of showing up, with the ministry of reconciliation, with the good news in our mouth and not the bad news. And I want to tell you, when you begin to expect, just expect that you carry in truth. Now, we're believing the Bible's the truth, right? I mean, we're Bible people. That's what it says. That's the way it is. That you carry the presence of Christ. He said, look, I will never leave you. Nothing can take you out of my hand. He means it. He's in us. He's with us. He's for us. And so wherever you and I go, we have the ministry of showing up because Jesus is in us. And all of the things the Bible tells us that Jesus accomplished for us, all of the promises of God to us because of what he did are yes and amen. All of the requirements that were against us, he nailed to the cross and made it possible for us to have this incredible life. And I was looking around here this morning and I looked at the worship team and, you know, I'm a musician, so I'm looking at all the musical stuff and, and I just looked and everybody had a fine instrument. Everybody was playing their part and I just thought, Lord, how rich are we? We are so rich, not just in material things, but the riches of Christ in us is incomparable. There's no amount or worth that we could ever place on the reality of God in our heart. So today, maybe you're here and you say, you know what, Jimmy? I've never really accepted the fact that God is for me, that he loves me, that he wants to be part of my life, that he wants to actually, that he's actually interested in me. It's such an incredible moment when you come to that place where you say, God is interested in me. You know, I stand before all manner of criminals in prison and it's hard it's heartbreaking because I hear their stories and I know how destroyed their lives are 
But I get the privilege of standing up there and say, you know what, God is more interested in you than your crime. And today, if you're here and you've never received the love that God has for you, you've never accepted by faith and putting your trust in all that Jesus did for you, then today's the day for you to do that. So could we do this? Could we all stand real quick? And I, I went long, so I'm going to stop pretty quick. But if you're here today and you've never received the love that God has for you, in just a moment, I want to give you an opportunity to do that. How? I'm going to ask you to raise your hand, and we're going to pray together. And you're indicating by raising your hand that you're interested in experiencing the love that God has for you. And it's really that simple. It's a matter of what you believe in your heart. The Bible says that if we believe that Jesus was risen from the dead, that we'll be saved in our hearts, not in our heads, in our hearts. And you say, That's, I, don't, I don't know if I believe that or not. I don't know if I can believe that or not. It's like, yes, you can. Because the Bible says that you can. And so if you're here today and you've never experienced the love that God has for you or you feel like you've walked away from that love, then today's the time for you to say, I want to know his love. So can we bow our heads and close our eyes? If you're here today and you say, Jimmy, that's me. I want to experience God's love or I've walked away from his love. Then right now I want you to lift your hand and we're going to pray together right there where you're at. Thank you so much. Thank you, sir. Thank you, ma'am. Thank you so much. Let's pray. Those of you that lifted your hands, I want you to pray with me. The whole church, I want you to pray with me. Let's pray this. Say, Lord Jesus, I come to you just as I am, a sinner. And I turn from my sin, and I turn to you. And I choose today to respond to your love. I choose to open my heart and receive you. I turn from my past and I turn to you and I ask you to forgive me, cleanse me, make me alive and make me new. Let me pray for these. Father, thank you so much for your power being present for all that you've done today, Lord. Encourage us. Let us walk in your power in everything that we do. In Jesus' name, amen.